All right. So today I want to uh, talk about purity, and it's a word that's commonly used in many religions. Uh, in Buddhism, there was a famous and very important Abhidharma Abhidhamma work called Vishuddhimagga um, that I uh, Buddha Gosha. I think it's from Buddha Gosha, about two thousand years ago. 500 years or so after Gautama, relatively. Vishuddhi Maga, Vishuddhi, you know, sometimes called purification, but it really is the same Sanskrit word for fifth chakra. Uh, maga meaning path uh, or marga. And so the, path, the Vishuddhi path, the path of purification, akin to the path of purification of fifth chakra, requires, obviously, the work of uh, unblocking chakras one through three, which means getting beyond... Uh, you know, all kinds of distorted attachment to distorted patterns of uh, self uh, thought and belief and relation to other, and also heart chakra activation, meaning there's no purification of Vishuddhi chakra or fifth chakra without a full um, activation of love or fourth ray, too. Uh, I want to bring three sources um, today, some heavy hitters after uh, Nosolar. The first is from the New Testament, which is uh, Philippians 4.8. And I'm no scholar in the New, Tos New Testament, uh, and, but I'm going to read, I sent a interlinear version from BibleHub.com uh, with the Greek and English and you can get a, a sense of um, translation or look into it further if you like, which is very much associated with the, the development of fourth chakra, fifth chakra, as the way of uh, achieving uh, purity. Uh, and uh, then I want to bring in a passage from uh, something called Rata Vinita Sutta, a sutra or talk from Gautama translated by Tanasaro Bhikkhu from Majjhima Nikaya, the Pali text, about, it's called the Relay Chariots. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to read the whole thing, but I want to focus on a particular paragraph regarding purity, which is down the page. And finally, I want to talk about purity uh, in terms of, from Nityananda. And this is a first entrant entrance of uh, uh, Nityananda that, of Ganeshpuri that I consider um, the avatar of the 20th century and um, very, very <laughs> important uh, at the level of Gautama, no doubt, in my mind, uh, really uh, came in um, with logoic consciousness or... Um, didn't really have much of a path for himself um, and came in purified. And he, just a couple of comments about purity, about testing, uh, about the path, and um, from his perspective, which is really way above ours, as far as I can tell, certainly way above mine. So let me look first, uh, because, you know, the term purity is not really clearly understood, as usual. So we're involved in the, uh, the uh, rectification of language, which is a Confucian work, uh, part, partly to get clear on what words mean, how important that really is. So Philippians 4.8, uh, one translation that I've worked from before uh, is this, <clears throat> whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there is any praise, dwell on these things. And true, honorable, and just seems to me very much related to fifth chakra. Pure, lovely, commendable, praiseworthy. Uh, seems to me very much associated also with fourth chakra and the importance of um, remaining true 
to um, to seek to remain in harmony with our understanding of what fifth and fourth chakra is all about. Uh, from the interlinear, <clears throat> the translation from the Greek was or is here. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever venerable, meaning worthy of respect, whatever right, whatever pure, whatever lovely, whatever admirable, if there's any, if any excellence, and if any praise, these things think on. Think on that which is virtuous and admirable and lovely and right and pure and true. Um, think on it. <laughs> and it's uh, a topic for contemplation. And I just thought that this was a really beautiful uh, quote or passage. Uh, if you want to see exactly what the different words are, you can look at the, the Greek basis. The word true is alete. Um, lovely is pros, prosphile. Pure is hagna. And hagna, um, going to the Greek, uh, I'll send a link here. <clears throat> Sometimes the concordance, this is an Englishman's concordance or concordance entry. So in Greek, the word they're translating is pure. Actually, this page doesn't say very much, but you'd have to look into um, the roots of the word hagna and see where they're coming from. Uh, certainly, purity um, is associated with um, non-distortion, but it's, it's non-adulterated, not mixed, of a single substance of a single type or quality. Uh, this, um, this notion of um, non-complex, <laughs> the end of complexity, the return to unity, uh, it's also related as holy. And so this, this is a, um, again, topic for contemplation. What is purity? To me, again, it's a um, it's the result of purification. It's the result of the purification uh, of distortion or all that is obstructive. And any lower chakra, lower triad blockage, obviously, is an obstruction to the pranic flow. And there is a um, in Buddhism, it's called one taste. In Mahayana, they talk about one taste of enlightenment or the one taste of awakening. Um, it's a relative freedom from differentiation in mind of saying good and bad, right and wrong, up and down, more or less. And this is all associated with, you know, the law of one. The law of one is not a law. It's just the reality um, that uh, all the many is one, one life. And all the polarities... Um, that we're perceiving like good and bad, more and less, up and down, or past, present, future, uh, these uh, and or layers of consciousness, like we talked about, expansions of awareness and uh, you know paradox and contradiction, uh, all of that can be resolved, or there's an expansion of awareness in which we find there is resolution of all that. And the resolution of complexity, the resolution of apparent duality and polarity and conflict, that's the path. And that's the path of purity. And so contemplating uh, akin to what's, what's shown here in Philippians 4.8, I think is very useful. Now, I want to go e uh, east a bit or move out of the Middle East uh, to, <laughs> to India. And... We're looking at Rata Vinita Sutta, translated from Pali by Tanisaro Bhikkhu. And here we have um, a, a discussion of purity down the page. I'll read the whole thing since we have some time here. Uh, and it starts, I have heard, thus have I heard, is a common way that it's translated at the beginning of many sutras. Thus have I heard. On one occasion, the Blessed One, Gautama, 
was staying near Rajgaha, or called Rajgir or Rajgraha. I was actually there um, in 1983. Very heavy place. In the bamboo grove, uh, I think it's Jetawana, the squirrel's sanctuary. So I guess it was a nature preserve that the monks were using uh, for retreat. Then a number of monks from the Blessed One's native land, having completed the rains retreat, which is what was done in the monsoon season, a few months of monastic retreat, in the native land, went to the Blessed One, and on arrival, having bowed down to him, sat to one side. As they were sitting there, the Blessed One, Gautama, said to them, Monks, whom in our native land do the native land monks, his companions in the holy life, esteem in this way? <clears throat> Meaning, who do you esteem? Having few wants himself, he gives talks to the monks on fewness of wants. Contented himself, he gives talks to the monks on contentment. Secluded himself, he gives talks to the monks on seclusion. Unentangled himself, he gives talks to the monks on non-entanglement. Having aroused persistence in himself, he gives talks to the monks on arousing persistence. Consummate in his own virtue, he gives talks to the monks on becoming consummate in virtue. Consummate in his own concentration, he gives talks to the monks on becoming consummate in concentration. Consummate, meaning completed, in his own or perfected, in his own discernment, he gives talks to the monks on becoming consummate in discernment. Consummate in his own release, he gives talks to the monks on becoming consummate in release. Consummate in his own knowledge and vision of release, he gives talks to the monks on becoming consummate in the knowledge and vision of release. He is one who exhorts, informs, instructs, urges, rouses, and encourages his companions in the holy life. <clears throat> and he's talking about who's doing that, and, and we'll go back to this as, a, as an interesting discussion of path. Going on, Lord, <clears throat> the monk named Punya Matani Putta, uh, Putta means son, uh, son of Matani, Punya Matani Putta, is esteemed by the native land monks from um, Maganda, where Gautama was from, or uh, his kingdom, the Sakya kingdom, is esteemed, this monk, Punya Mataniputta, is esteemed by his native land monks, home, his, his homeboys, his companions in the holy life, in this way. Having few wants himself, he gives talks to the monks on fewness of wants, and so this goes the, the same cycle the same sequence here uh, of development that is the basis for being able to help others with that development. And so what you have learned, you can teach pretty well. Uh, for us today, a lot of what we teach or what I teach certainly is what I'm still learning. I wouldn't say I've completed any learning, but certainly all this development, when it's achieved, we may teach it well. And to whatever extent we've achieved development, by that, you know, that development may we teach well. And so the path here, or the sequence, is um, beginning with few wants. And we'll see that in the final um, examination of Nityananda's teaching. Having few wants, not wanting too much, reduction of desire. And that comes naturally on the path. And if one's desires are growing and growing... Um, there may be a problem. However, um, being really honest will also lead to um, the dissolving of um, avoidance and defense mechanisms by which we may not have allowed ourselves to know our wants and desires. Meaning, one may find one has all these desires that one never thought of simply because they were in the mind, but they were suppressed. But over time, down the line... Um, desires decrease. But that doesn't mean we should try to suppress desires, or at least we should know them. Ross said, you know, the proper role for the entity in third density is to experience all things desired. So that's pro-desire, yet <laughs> more desire, more suffering, okay, more experience, and potentially more learning, okay. But on the path, eventually, down the line, 
Um, and of course, Rob was saying not to uh, express desires that would be harmful to self and other, but to do them mentally. But down the line, yeah, it's true, over time, with development, um, the quantity of one's desires decreases. But then that having few wants leads to a basic contentment. That basic contentment, uh, in many cases, leads to um, greater seclusion or time alone. Wisdom is a rather lonely matter. And the development of fifth chakra, uh, which is a piece of work beyond four and beyond um, group activity or group activity uh, has certain, it puts off certain limits to the development of wisdom. A whole lot of wisdom really is the fifth, sixth chakra activation, fifth, sixth chakra resonance, and that's often or best done alone. But contentment comes coming out of um, the natural decrease of wants and desires leads to often or naturally um, greater peace alone, which we call here seclusion, that seclusion, if one remains <laughs> practicing and remains um, learning and growing, leads to greater disentanglement or unentanglement. That <clears throat> uh, non-entanglement uh, actually uh, clears the ground in which the, the mind ground or the uh, space of mind in which will plays a greater part. And, and so Ross said, you know, um, acceptance of self, forgiveness of self, and direction of the will. Uh, will, in my understanding, is very associated with six chakra. And so by basic uh, morality and virtue, which is particularly fourth chakra, we move out, we, we do great work in clearing the lower three. <clears throat> by the development of love, we realize the need for greater wisdom. By that, we realize the need for um, time alone and thinking deeply in contemplation and practice. By that, naturally will come um, seclusion. Or, you know, seclusion, this is all, this is for monks, but we can still apply it to ourselves. And, and you know, we're not trying to become monks, but um, in general, uh, I don't think there are too many monks listening in. But uh, we can apply these principles loosely to our own process. Uh, seclusion that comes naturally uh, naturally leads to a greater non-entanglement certainly with other and often and, and you know if we continue growing non-entanglement with mind that uh, clear in a way I say clears uh, the mind space for the, the development of will and there we have aroused persistence from aroused persistence, meaning the desire to stay with it. Stay with what? Stay with transformation. Stay with full mind-body-spirit transformation. <clears throat> from that, um, virtue becomes perfected or developed. Uh, from that virtue, shila, um, we get to concentration, right? Shila samadhi prajna. And so there's... Um, uh, no real ability, there's no real capacity of mind to develop concentration without virtue. And the people, when we screw up, when we make trouble for self and other, when we get caught in patterns, the mind is not very peaceful, you know. <clears throat> and the mind doesn't concentrate well uh, to the extent that we're making trouble or we're still dealing with consequences of trouble we've made. So there's this movement uh, from seclusion to non-entanglement, <clears throat> to the arising of aroused persistence or the arousing of persistence or will to stay with it, uh, to a further perfection or, or consolidation of virtue or harmlessness. <clears throat> Beyond that, then we have concentration. The mind naturally becomes concentrated with a, with a persistent, with, with, with a kind of um, stabilized harmlessness virtue, appreciation, uh, with a persistence to stay with uh, the learning and transformation process. From concentration, we get to discernment, and that's a very interesting matter. <laughs> that um, what are the roots of discernment? Well, Gautama said, uh, karmically, <clears throat> those with discernment are those who've consistently 
sought counsel from the wise and the worthy, right? Fifth ray, fourth ray, wise, worthy, uh, in uh, spiritual teaching, in how to uh, better myself and continue on the way. Uh, what's to my long-term welfare and benefit? Consistently asking those that in fact may well know more than us, not just people, but also teachings and sources for study, uh, is the way leading to discernment. And here we also see that concentration is a basis of discernment. The discerning, the ability to see uh, clearly this is deep green, this is light green, this is pale green, and this is yellow, something like that, uh, comes from concentration. And, and the, we see a lot of people around us becoming unconcentrated or dissolute or mentally uh, unsteady, unstable inability to focus, uh, poorly, poorly discerning what's happening as well. So from concentration, we go to discernment. <clears throat> and then from discernment, one can actually experience greater release. And this, now we're getting into the prajna or the third level, Shila Samadhi Prajna, moving out, you know, building on Shila and Samadhi or concentration into, from discernment into release. And that is where we're getting into the, the deeply metaphysical uh, release of um, release of one's mind <laughs> from um, attachment um, and ignorance, and so then by release or experiencing of, of of deep release, which is really what Buddhism is all about, or the path, the upper levels of the path to awakening, uh, are involve very deep release. Uh, from that comes knowledge and vision of release. They're different. There's the experience of release, <clears throat> and then there's knowledge and vision of release that can be talked about. Different. Uh, then, uh, from that, <laughs> it's over. So it's not just release. Uh, it's also a knowledge and vision, uh, a a integration of the experience of release uh, into the relative uh, thinking mind. So this is one interesting way of looking at the path and, and surely what we know or what we've become consummate or developed in is what we best can share with others. Going on in the sutta, now at that time, Venerable Shariputta, the son of Shari, who was one of the two chief disciples of Gautama, more developed in love wisdom than wisdom love or a great bodhisattva, great uh, arahant, obviously, but... Uh, more of the <clears throat> leading, I'd say, with the heart, uh, was sitting not far from Blessed One, Gautama. The thought occurred to Sariputta, it's a gain, a great gain for Venerable Punya Matanyaputta, the, the native land monk, uh, Buddha's native land monk comrade, that his knowledgeable companions in the holy life speak his praise point by point, meaning they're saying to Gautama what he was teaching to them. Speak his praise point by point in the presence of the teacher, Gautama, and that the teacher seconds that praise, meaning Gautama's agreeing with the teaching of Matanyaputta. Maybe sometime or other I too will go to meet with Venerable Punya Matanyaputta. Maybe I'll have some conversation with him. Then the Blessed One, having stayed at Rajagaha as long as he liked, set out wandering to Saviti another important place in um, northern India where Gautama traveled and taught. Wandering by stages, he arrived there at sta and stayed at Jetta's Grove. So this is Jetta's Grove in Saviti. Or, um, these, these places you can visit. <laughs> they still have a very powerful energy. He arrived there, stayed at Jetta's Grove. Jetta was, a, I think, a rich sponsor. Anatta Pindika's monastery. Venerable uh, Punya Matanyaputta from his, you know, his native land comrade, heard the Blessed One has arrived at Savati and is staying at Savati, also somebody called Saviti, in Jetta's Grove, Anatapindika's monastery, setting his lodgings in order and taking his robes and bowl, he set out wandering to Savati. So he's on the way there. Wandering by stages, he went to where the Blessed One was staying in Jetta's Grove, Anatapindika's monastery, on arrival, having bowed down to the Blessed One, he sat to one side. As he was sitting there, the Blessed One instructed, urged, roused, and encouraged him with the Dhamma talk. Then Venerable Punya instructed, urged, roused, and encouraged with the Blessed One's Dhamma talk, 
delighting and approving of the Blessed One's words, got up from his seat, bowed down to the Blessed One, circumambulated him, going clockwise, and went to the grove of the blind for the day's abiding, uh, meaning staying there. Then a certain monk, it's a long story here, then a certain monk went to Venerable Shariputta and on arrival said to him, Friend, Shariputta, the monk named Punya Matani-putta, whom you've often praised, and going on, da-da-da, got enough for receipt, did all that. Um, what about him? And meaning that he's here. And so Sariputra moves, uh, tries to go here, um, tries to catch up with him. Shariputra quickly picked up a sitting cloth, followed right behind Venerable Punya, keeping his head in sight. <laughs> Punya, Venerable Punya, plunged into the grove of the blind and sat down in the shade of a tree for the day's abiding, meaning uh, the next <laughs> six hours of meditation. Venerable Shariputta also plunged into the grove of the blind and sat down in the shade of a tree for the day's abiding. You know, <laughs> the monks didn't do much most of the time other than uh, go into samadhi, and an arahan had nothing to do at all, because they have few wants, they have no desires anymore, and they're basically finished with the work, so they just spend their time in samadhi or the jhanas and uh, do some more metaphysical work, I would think. So <clears throat> there Shariputra also followed Punya. They're in this grove of the blind, uh, and they're sitting for six hours straight or <laughs> eight hours straight. Then in the evening, Venerable Shariputta arose from his seclusion, went to Venerable Punya. On arrival, he exchanged courteous greetings with him. After an exchange of friendly courtesies, greetings and courtesies, he sat to one side. As he was sitting there, he said, My friend, is the holy life lived under the Blessed One? Meaning, are you a monk in, the, in Gautama's order? Yes, my friend. And is the holy life lived under the Blessed One for the sake of purity, in terms of virtue? No, my friend. Oh. So the holy life, as understood by Gautama, not for the sake of purity in terms of virtue. <clears throat> meaning, that's not the goal. That's part of the path, but it's not the final goal. The purity of virtue. No, my friend, then is the holy life lived, lived under the Blessed One for the sake of purity in terms of mind, meaning concentration. No, my friend. So here we're getting defined what is purity, <clears throat> or what is the purpose, what is the end goal purification. The end goal purification is not simply virtue or samadhi, right, shila samadhi, but actually prajna, or panya, or release, and vision of release. So, <clears throat> the holy life is not lived under the Blessed One for the sake of purity in terms of virtue. The holy life is not lived, or the goal is not purity in terms of concentration. Then is the holy life lived under the Blessed One for the sake of purity in terms of view? No. <clears throat> for the sake of purity in the terms of overcoming perplexity? No. Uh, for the sake of purity in terms of knowledge and vision of what is and is not the path? No. Then is the holy life lived under one, blessed one, for purity in terms of knowledge, vision of the way? No. How about for the ter how about for uh, knowledge and vision? <clears throat> no. <laughs> ah. And so we go on. When asked if the holy life is lived under the blessed one for the sake of purity in terms of virtue, or terms of mind, concentration, or view, or overcoming perplexity. <clears throat> or knowledge and vision of what is and is not path, or knowledge and vision of the way, you know, the, the, the way of transformation, which is a little bit different than path, or knowledge and vision in general, he says, no, for the sake of what then, my friend, is the holy life lived under the Blessed One? And this is Punya answering, the holy life is lived under the Blessed One for the sake of total unbinding through lack of clinging. Unbinding is the final release Lack of clinging is freedom from uh, upadana, uh, and ultimately freedom from craving, a freedom from <clears throat> um, fashioning, uh, becoming, or seeking. It's in fact the end of seeking to acquire or change or release or do anything. Is it purity in terms of total? Is purity in terms of the virtue? In terms of virtue or total unbinding through lack of clinging? No, 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 no. Um, unbinding, no, then is total unbinding through lack of clinging something apart from these qualities? No. 
<laughs> now you may be a little confused. <clears throat> and he goes over this and says, now how, my friend, is the meaning of these statements to be understood? And uh, down the page, <laughs> uh, we basically get uh, a clear understanding uh, from Punya of his understanding of purity. Uh, I want to cut through that um, two paragraphs down. Uh, Punya says, in the same way, my friend, this is after the analogy of relay chariots, and the, the relay chariots means uh, <clears throat> the, the, the note or message is carried from one place to another by a series of chariots in a relay sequence, one to two to three to four, and once you get to the next, you go to the next to the next. And this very much metaphysically associates with the law of squares in the sense that developing this um, self-potentiates the development of something else. And that development potentiates, or it naturally um, intensifies the development of something else. And this is the, the quote, the paragraph that I want to explain. In the same way, my friend, purity in terms of virtue is simply for the sake of purity in terms of mind purity meaning the purity of one level or purification of one level is for your purification of the next level not for the purification of staying at some level the purification of of this is for the purification of that that leads to the purification of the next and leads to the goal in the same way, my friend, purity in terms of virtue, Sheila, is simply for the sake of purity in terms of mind, or the abilities in mind. <clears throat> purity in terms of mind is simply for the sake of purity in terms of view, meaning right view, samaditi. Purity in terms of view is simply for the sake of purity in terms of overcoming perplexity, right? Like the law of one, freedom from paradox. Purity in terms of overcoming perplexity is simply for the sake of purity in terms of knowledge and vision of what is and is not the path. Purity in terms of knowledge and vision of what is and is not the path, meaning what, what, is, what is the way and what's not the way, right? What does it mean? What is the way of lower triad unblocking? What does it mean? You've got to figure it out for yourself. I can talk all day, but it doesn't really matter because each person experiences, must experience and know well for themselves what it means to achieve each element of, of the way, like lower triad unblocking, or green ray, blue ray activation, or love wisdom balance, or integration with you know view and awareness of unity. <clears throat> each, each person has to kind of figure out how that is in my own life for themselves. So purity in terms of view, simply for the sake of purity in terms of overcoming perplexity, meaning uh, we develop right view so we get out of confusion. Purity in terms of overcoming perplexity is simply for the sake of the next level. Purity in terms of knowledge and vision of what is and is not the path, meaning what I ought to be doing and what I ought not to be doing, and how. And only you, only each person can figure that out because it's very personal. It's the same principle, but it's a personalized application or, or a personalized... Um, uh, relevance, again, application to daily life for each person. Purity in terms of knowledge and vision of what is and is not path is simply for the sake of purity in terms of knowledge and vision of the way. So when you know what isn't the path uh, and you know what is the path, at some point you know the way. And the way is a much more subtle understanding of path, um, I think, in this case, in this usage. Because the way is um, very, um, it's very internal. <laughs> uh, how, how to be in your own mind. How to work with your own mind. Uh, what, what in one's own mind is non-distorted? And what is the quality of non-distortion in your own mind? 
versus the quality of just the qualities associated with distortion for you. And going on, purity in terms of knowledge and vision of the way is simply for the sake of purity in terms of knowledge and vision <laughs> beyond the way, right? There's no way. Uh, the way is empty too. Purity in terms of knowledge and vision is simply for the sake of total unbinding through lack of clinging. Upadana, no more. Uh, and it's for the sake of total unbinding through lack of clinging that the holy life is lived under the Blessed One. And so he got it. <laughs> he figured out for himself that the purpose of, of each purification is not to remain in that, but to uh, set the basis for a further development of purification uh, on the way and then out of the way, beyond the way, to total unbinding or total freedom. And again, you know, really we're talking about uh, movement out of six density to seven and eight because uh, total unbinding is a very big deal. Anybody who says uh, they're fully enlightened or they're from seventh level or ninth level, they're folly, foolish, you know, another false prophet at the end times, actually. So, and no respect for the old teaching. But the goal here is to understand that purification is not to remain attached to any purification, but to, purifi to purify all the layers or levels or stages um, of what appears to be a process. <laughs> when it's finished, um, one may see that it's no process, but until that, it seems to be sequential or uh, progressive. And so purity here uh, is uh, understood as, as sort of, you know, all, all of these aspects of purity. Uh, we're talking about freedom from wants. We're talking about contentment uh, in the first. So there's a linkage, you see, between um, the initial understanding in the second paragraphs um, where Gautama's talking about what appears to be a sequence from contentment to seclusion, non-entanglement, persistence, uh, virtue, concentration, discernment, release, knowledge and vision of release, uh, which is unbinding. You know, I am unbound. <laughs> this one is finished. Like that. That, that, um, that is done, that is a, appears to be a progressive purification. But the, the purpose of the purification is to continue purification. Not to rest in any apparently purified aspect of experience. This is very, very subtle. And so, uh, the goal as total unbinding could be considered the ultimate purification. But purification, uh, by its nature, uh, is associated with non-clinging. It's associated with um, being free of a certain restlessness and a certain hunger or thirst, Tana, uh, for more or for different. And again, I'm not saying we should pretend to be this way. Okay, I'm content. Uh, if you have desires, admit the desires and be totally honest. I mean, the, the, the way here, the way into this or the way to potentize this is not to pretend I'm free of desires, I'm content and go secluded and think, okay, I'm, uh, I'm on this way. But to really be, to, to commit to total honesty or increasing honesty with oneself. Yes, I desire this and that and the other thing. Okay. Well, which are realistic and which are not? Well, some are not and those that are not uh, perhaps are better to do in your mind or distill the what you're really seeking from it. You know, there's another topic there, which is uh, the use of imagination and fantasy to gain what was sought by the desire internally, to gain the essence of what was sought. This is another matter. Like, <clears throat> I seek um, to live, uh, you know, in perfect spiritual community or something. Well, what is the goal? What is the gain from that? Well, there's all sorts of qualities. There are all sorts of qualities of mind that we're seeking by that objective situation arrangement of loving, wise, spiritual community. There's the happiness of comrades and companions. There's the, the reinforcement of people who know what we know or encourage us in, in truth in ways and we can learn from them. 
there's all sorts of support and uplift and security and stability uh, and and peace <laughs> and uh, belonging and um, solidarity. But all those qualities can be experienced in mind alone, actually. <laughs> oh, and so uh, it's not good to pretend uh, I'm free of desires. It's good to be honest with one's mind as is. But this understanding of purity uh, as basically uh, a relay chariot process, <laughs> going from one uh, development to the next, is a very subtle understanding that purification is not, uh, it doesn't intend or will not fall into attachment to anything like, I have right view, I have contentment, I'm seclusion, I'm in this or that. It's not about um, making a home in spiritual development. It's about uh, finishing the work of total being transformation. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter that this is really beyond us in that uh, I don't think anybody listening and myself are going to be experiencing total unbinding through lack of clinging in this lifetime. Fine. But it's good to see the real way or one real clear understanding of the way uh, where purification is basically freedom from uh, progressively finer uh, distortions, uh, attachments, ignorance, and suffering. Uh, where we're, we're free of clinging, free of, of hungering, free of dissatisfaction and restlessness and some basic sense that there's something wrong here. And, and that is a very uh, more subtle philosophical or even psychological understanding of purity than normal. Uh, so... Uh, and after he explained that all, uh, Venerable Sariputta said, What's your name? How do your companions know you? He says, I'm Punya. I'm known as Mataniputta. How amazing, my friend. How astounding that you, Venerable Mataniputta, has answered point by point with profound, profound discernment in the manner of a learned disciple who's rightly understood the teacher's message. It's a gain, a great gain for any of his companions in the holy life who get to see him and visit with him, meaning you or Gautama. Even if they had to carry, around, carry him around on a cushion placed on top of their heads in order to see him and visit with him, it would be a great gain for them, a great gain. And the fact that I've gotten to see him, meaning, um, I don't know which the him is, I think it's uh, with um, Matani Putta, uh, visit with him or you has been a gain, a great gain for me. Uh, and then uh, Punya talks to replies and what's your name? And he said, my name is Upatisa or I'm known as Shariputta. Uh, and uh, they uh, appreciate each other yet again <laughs> and um, feel how wonderful it is that they met. In this way did both great beings rejoice in each other's good words. And um, there is a happiness when true follower, followers of the way find each other. Um, I had this experience in a bus station in northern Thailand, and uh, it was lovely. A guy from Ajahn Chah, Ajahn Chah's place, uh, he saw me, I saw him, and we had a love, <laughs> love feeling like, oh, ah, I know your mind. Oh, I know that mind. Ah. And I never met him before. And um, it was that kind of um, heartful recognition of something, of, uh, of some understanding. And uh, that was that. So um, take a look at that page. It's very wonderful. And the, the notes are very fine, too, talking about clinging and um, yeah, Vishuddhi Maga. Um, understanding uh, a, a, a under a, a what's called this list of seven purities <clears throat> purity in terms of virtue mind view overcoming perplexity knowledge and vision of what is and is not path knowledge and vision of the way and knowledge and vision uh, of release and then knowledge and vision <laughs> beyond release <clears throat> uh, in fact nowhere else in the Buddhist teaching is it mentioned. Uh, and so this is uh, 
purity understood as um, valuable for the further purification it achieves, not to stay anywhere. Now, finally, I want to go to the page on Nityananda, and this is um, <laughs> this is the the avatar of the 20th century, a very important world figure who uh, kept some stability on Earth uh, through the world wars. Uh, <clears throat> down the page, um, one of the boxes of quotations, uh, I would, I think, um, yeah, we'll, we'll look at this quotation first, and then um, go to one more, and then link it to purity, and then call it a day. In the middle of the page, Nityananda said, There are various tests to which a devotee is subjected. They could be of the mind, or the intellect, of the body, and so on. A number of such tests are there. In fact, God, we can say the Logos, or the One, is conducting tests all the time. Every occurrence in life is a test. Every thought that crops up in the mind is in itself a test to see what one's reaction will be. Hence, one must be always alert and aloof, conducting oneself with a spirit of detachment, viewing everything as an opportunity afforded to gain experience, to improve oneself and go on to a higher stage. And uh, again, this is uh, beyond me. <laughs> I cannot say that I'm uh, uh, fully cognizant of, of what this uh, detached spirit of detachment is. I have attachments, as I assume we all do here. Uh, and yet, uh, this notion, every occurrence in life is a test. Every thought is a test. Every point of decision is a test. And therefore, you can say every moment is a test. And that's the um, pivot of free will. And in a way, we can say that um, meeting these tests well, or right response, right decision, which is right action, right speech, right knowing, and understanding of the path, um, <clears throat> uh, is the purpose of life, and is the way of purification. And so, um, knowing what purity is, uh, is the result of seeking to know. <laughs> uh, right response, right reaction, uh, right meeting uh, of, the, of each moment's test or each circumstance in life that appears to be a test. Because we don't, just like we don't, we don't catch every breath in meditation or aware, you know, catch in the sense of remain aware of, likewise, we don't recognize um, the, the many times in life when tests were offered. We just went with our habitual way and whatever happened, happened. We didn't realize we had a choice or we didn't realize um, there was a higher way or a better way. That better way can be called purification. And again, it's no different than love wisdom. Uh, and it leads on to further purification. <clears throat> Meanwhile, um, making a bad decision <clears throat> leads on to, to more trouble. And then, you know, a little bit off at the beginning, we're very far off the right way or a good way or a helpful path at the end, down the line. And so, alert and aloof, conducting oneself in a spirit of detachment, viewing everything as opportunity afforded to gain experience. It's all for experience. Uh, and there's also karma in play. Uh, to improve oneself and go on to a higher stage. Higher doesn't mean excluding so-called lower. Higher really means further expanded, meaning uh, living uh, in love wisdom doesn't exclude one, two, three. It means that we're living one, two, three, four, five, not simply one, two, three. We're not living self-centered like second chakra. We're not looking, we're not living uh, socially entangled third chakra or one, two, three. We're living um, from four, five, that includes, um, you know, a healthy sense of self or peace with self, <laughs> well-being in self, 
and harmony or right action and right relations with others. Two, three. So higher stage uh, doesn't exclude the physical, emotional, mental, interpersonal, social. <clears throat> it just um, involves a purification <laughs> of, of our way of being at those other levels. Body, sense of self, interpersonal, social, uh, intellectual, emotional, sensory. Uh, those levels of chakras one through three, the lower triad, the, the world, the worldly, um, become harmonized <laughs> and are no longer uh, so troublesome as they were before. That's what it means to go on to a higher stage. Now, down the page, the last quote from Tienda I want to bring in is a pretty, um, old, pretty sweeping uh, quote. And in fact, it's towards the last quotation of the whole uh, page here. And it's not the last one about the ocean. It's actually above that. As for spiritual progress, the essential thing is vairagya detachment from worldliness. Without that, there can be no progress. And I've talked about Vairagya before. Uh, it's a Sanskrit term. Here's a page from Wikipedia. And um, <clears throat> it's, it's basically against Raga or without Raga. Raga meaning passion or uh, attachment, <laughs> desiring, clinging, craving, right? So we talked about the importance of uh, being free of clinging and craving or moving towards fewness of wants, naturally, without suppressing our desires, without amplifying nor suppressing our desire or being honest about our, the range of our desires, even if it's impossible meaning uh, I want this and that, and I know it's impossible, but I have to say I want this and that. Okay, okay. Now what? Well, if it's impossible, then it's probably vain or foolish to try to achieve it because it's impossible. So I won't keep trying to achieve it physically because I know it's impossible. But I can work with it mentally or imaginatively, or I can try to distill just what I was really seeking for from the desiring of it. What am I really seeking? Well, I'm, I'm seeking a, a material gain, a social and interpersonal, an emotional, a spiritual experience, a relationship, a partner, a community, a job, a money, or whatever. For what? For not only uh, physical opportunities or social opportunity, but for a certain change in mind. Focus on the change in mind you're seeking by the uh, desire that may well be unattainable or impossible. So even an unrealistic, impossible, unattainable uh, desire may actually be useful uh, to distill from, by mind, by imagination, and by inquiry and contemplation, just what we were seeking, just what we're seeking to get from it. And, and some of that can absolutely be act, unlocked and experienced alone in mind for oneself. So this is a very subtle kind of practice. But uh, the purpose of vairagya <laughs> is actually to be free of um, endless desiring that leads us into trouble. And so as for spiritual progress, as for this path of purification, the seven levels of purity uh, for... Uh, uh, for whose sake um, or, or for the sake of each element of which purity is developed in sequence not to get stuck in purity but for release and unbinding and, and transformation um, to, to strengthen to develop that path of purification uh, absolutely <laughs> one needs some detachment from worldliness and uh, sometimes we can just say no, like uh, Nancy said, just say no, sure, because sometimes we don't care, really, and it's fine to say no. But uh, we do have desires, and so <laughs> we can talk about it another time, or I've talked before, 
uh, how to get to the first step. <laughs> to get there to the first step, which is basically fewness of wants, right? Gautama said, having few wants, uh, we go towards contentment, seclusion, and non-entanglement. And when Nityananda says vairagya is critical, uh, there's no progress without um, appropriate or right detachment. Now, that doesn't mean every monk is detached. That doesn't mean every married person is super attached. It's a matter, matter of uh, who you are and one's own mind. It's not the life circumstance that determines attachment, detachment. It's the quality of mind. There are lots of monks who are super attached to X, Y, and Z while they follow the rules and, and live in the robe. Uh, and there are other people in the world who um, have uh, husband, wife, children, job, money, complexity, and have great detachment from it. Yeah, there are some. Maybe not a lot, but there are some. It's certainly possible. But <clears throat> one ought to contemplate the importance of vairagya, uh, detachment, dispassion, uh, disinterest, um, a, even the longing to have fewer wants. And that, uh, op- that, that is step number one <laughs> on the path. There's no progress without detachment from worldliness or detachment from the unending desires that naturally may come. Because uh, worldly desires bind us to the worldly and uh, to the physical, emotional, mental, to the first three chakras condition. And one can see that, that mental, emotional, natural, a naturally, over time, naturally developed vairagya or disinterest in, in grasping aversion and ignorance. Gras- grasping and aversion, disinterest. And that's very well learned in meditation, of course. Like, um, you know, Vipassana, insight, Anapanasati, Sati, mindfulness practice or attentiveness without grasping practice uh, definitely is a self-learning of, of detachment. From that comes naturally decreasing wants and desires. From that naturally comes contentment with what is, <clears throat> and then one, one is on the path. <clears throat> and, and therefore, uh, and there is, is to be found purification. And it's not that desires are wrong, but desires are entangling. <laughs> Worldly desires are entangling, that's all. Yet, <clears throat> sure, um, one can disentangle over time course. So I just wanted to give these three perspectives on purification from Philippians and the New Testament, uh, very much a focus on uh, contemplating and and leaning the mind towards what's virtuous, what's worthy, what is lovely, commendable, fair, honorable, just, uh, to dwell <clears throat> on on virtue and goodness uh, and and by that dwelling <clears throat> internalize those ways of being then from Gautama and uh, Punya uh, Matani Putta uh, understanding that, that purification is a process whose purpose is the further purification the purification or the path is not to end up walking around say I have purified view or I have purified virtue <clears throat> or uh, I'm discerning I'm discerning but to move um, out of all uh, stations uh, of progress of relative purification to final releasing and Nityananda explaining that uh, a, a, con- a deliberate detaching a deliberate uh, movement out of simply worldliness and following the line of least resistance, something like that is needed. Moving against the current that perhaps everybody around us is, is flowing in. And <clears throat> that uh, all circumstances like tests uh, basically mean that we have more freedom to choose than we may realize. <clears throat> and there are many opportunities for further detaching or non-entangling more than we think. 
uh, and therefore purity is uh, is a stage along the way, and uh, not the final goal. Uh, but <clears throat> um, like Ross at the moment contains love, there's always a chance in any moment uh, to to dwell in and uh, respond in in the ways of virtue and discernment that we're aware of, and be careful. So anyway, I think these are all important passages. Uh, I hope it was helpful, and you can reflect on that if you like. And um, take good care of yourselves. Okay, good night.